this is Diego Cardono and his wife Claudia. And uh, Diego was born in Colombia, came to know the Lord at age 13 under the preaching of the gospel. Uh, came to Canada as a young man to uh, study at our seminary here in British Columbia at Northwest Baptist. And then they returned to Columbia as full-time missionaries uh, in the years 1998 and 99. And I'm not going to uh, say any more by way of introduction except to say that I hope you're thrilled that they're here. And I want you to know that it is a, it is a rare privilege uh, for us to have them here. And it is so encouraging. I've heard him preach in the first service, and, and I am so encouraged to just realize that the, the, the gospel of grace is being preached through them in Colombia. And it made me want to go. Let me pray for you. A gracious Lord, thank you that you are over all things and you know every heart. And thank you for the gospel it is, as it is being proclaimed in Colombia. But Lord, for right now, we pray that you would open Diego's mouth, that you would help him to articulate and to expound with joy uh, the grace of God in Jesus Christ. So grant him liberty, I pray, in his mind, in his heart, with his tongue. And I pray, Lord, that you would also uh, take our ears and heal them and make us able to hear and rejoice. And may you receive glory and honor and praise. Amen. We pray it. Amen. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Brennan. Buenos dias. Oh, it sounds lovely. Let's do it again. Buenos dias. ¿Cómo están? Muy bien. ¿Cómo están? Muy bien. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I was in a church the other day, and I asked people, you know, if they could speak some Spanish words, and they start saying words, lots of Spanish words. And one lady said, Besame mucho. <laughs> that means in Spanish, kiss me lots. <laughs> so said, Don't say that. And by the end of the service, she said, I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna say that to you. <laughs> yeah, thank you for having us over here. Most of all, we would like to to say thank you for being behind our ministry in Colombia. I know that some of your prayer groups or home uh, small groups pray for us weekly, and we re- really appreciate that. There is nothing in the mission work around the world, nothing is more important than when you present before the throne of the grace of God, missionaries around the world. I know that we need financial support too, and that's important. Thank you for that too. But your prayer time is just amazingly important. Pastor Barry said to me not not to be worried about time. And I come from a culture where we are not Time-oriented. <laughs> I love preaching. I love talk. So, if I'm kind of after three o'clock or something, <laughs> just pretend you're sleeping. That's the best way for me to stop. When I see people sleeping, sort of thing, I say, I should stop. 
But if you're still having such a wonderful, generous and gentle faces, I'm afraid I'm going to stay here preaching till midnight. <laughs> Why not we open the Word of God? I'm not going to talk much about our ministry because by lunch... Uh, there is going to be time for us to talk a little bit more about our ministry, uh, questions about Colombia, and I hope you still drink that Colombian coffee that is the best of the world, I hope. You're not allowed to drink any other coffee from the world. You know, I know that there are coffees from Africa and Brazil and so on, but still, Colombian coffee is the best coffee of the world. So keep drinking coffee, but whenever you drink a cup of coffee, Remember Colombia, remember Colombia, and pray for Colombia. The government, schools, youth, pastors, missionaries, lots of people that need to be reached out for the gospel. Let's open the word of God in Matthew chapter 20, chapter 20 of Matthew, chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire men to work in his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and send them into his vineyard. About the third hour he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, You also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the eleventh hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, Why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has, has hired us, they answered. He said to them, You also go. And work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about the eleventh hour came and each received a denarius. So when those came, so when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last work only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, Friend, I'm not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want, I want, I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want? 
with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. We need this parable coming from the mouth of Jesus. We need your word more than we need physical bread. We need the bread of life with Jesus in his words. Give us these words of Jesus. Take this parable to our heart. We ask you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Today, we are going to talk about grumbling. Complaining. Gossiping. In Colombia, we love grumbling and gossiping. I guess because in our culture, we are very close to each other. When we talk to each other, we talk like this distance. You are Canadians, and Canadians are more polite and educated. You talk with this distance and shake hands. <laughs> we touch each other. We love touching, which is most of the time quite dangerous. Then we get into people's lives too close sometimes that we gossip a lot. Some people think, and they said, gossiping, complaining, and grumbling are Colombian national sports. <laughs> but that kind of grumbling is horizontal grumbling. This morning we're going to talk about vertical grumbling. To be honest, I would, I would like you to change horizontal grumbling for vertical grumbling. As a matter of fact, my most important point today is this. God loves you to grumble about His grace. Because there is no other way for you to understand the grace of God but grumbling, wrestling, asking God, why? Why, God, your, your dealings are such? Why do you treat us this way? Because the grace of God is impossible for us to understand. So we need the light of the Spirit of God and whenever grace comes to us, we start grumbling. So, welcome to grumble. Today, we're allowed to grumble, to gossip, to complain about the grace, the wonderful grace of God. Let me show, show you my point. If you go with me to verse number 11, 
you'll see that this parable is taught for people in a way that people start grumbling. Verse number 11. When they receive it, they began grumbling, grumble against the landowner. The context of this parable, and the context is very important, has to do with one question that Peter asked Jesus. Go with me to verse 27 of of the previous chapter, chapter 19. Peter answered him, answered to Jesus. And you can feel, because the gospel is full of feelings, you can feel the sense of victimization. You you say that? Victimization? That's a good word? I I don't want to say bad words. Is that a good word? Victimization. Like, oh, poor me. Look at that. This is Peter. We have left everything to follow you, Jesus. What then will there be for us? You see the feeling? Then Jesus answered to to Peter, if you go down to verse number 28 and 29, thrones, hundred times, and then eternal life. In the verse 30, 30, but, but many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. That's the point. Of course, Jesus answered the question of Peter, saying, Peter, you are not doing me a favor. If you are following me, it's because I'm going to give you thrones 100 times. Anything you have uh, left for me, an eternal life. But you, Peter, you are not understanding the grace of God. So let me share with you this story. So Jesus went on. Sharing the parable. It's a parable about grumbling, complaining about the grace of God. Just for you to grasp the point. The, the problem that this parable is addressing, let me show, show you another interesting fact. If you go with me to verse 15 of chapter 20, Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Envy, the problem with envy is not the desire. The problem of envy is not desiring somebody else's house, somebody else's property, somebody else's wife, somebody else's body. The problem with envy is the theology behind it. In that theology, is saying, God, you have committed a mistake. You have given to me few, and I deserve more. And you have given to that guy, Bill Gates, too much. That's why in the Greek 
reading of this parable, instead of the word envious, envy, it says, evil eye. Looking at God with evil eye. God, you're wrong. You should have given to me that property, that job, that wife, that body. And you have committed such a mistake. Evil. I. With the desire of being God at least for a moment. Like, let's, let's, if, if God would allow me to be God just for a moment, I will take that money of Bill Gates and put, let's say, just 10% to be kind of, you know, humble enough. 10% of that money to me. So we think like we are better than God. Don't you see? The problem of envy is not the desire. The problem of envy is the theology. And the same theology is behind grumbling. That's why this parable is to teach about wrestling with God's grace. Parables always have certain strategies. In this case, the strategy of the parable, I call it this way, is the unexpected. Parable, parables are simple stories. It's pretty simple. Happens in Colombia every day. If you have a, a finca, a farm, so you need workers. Early in the morning, you go around finding good workers and then bringing them in, pay them by the end of the day, and that's all. Very simple story. But then Jesus put inside of that story the unexpected. And most of those unexpected things are for you, for you to wrestle. Because you start thinking, this is not the way it should be. Let me show you three unexpected things in this parable. And all of them has to do with the grace of God. First, don't you think that this is the worst example of hiring? When you want to hire a person to do a job, you ask for a, the word, the French word is resume. Resume. <laughs> In that resume, you want to have, you want to find good education, good experience, good recommendations. This guy doesn't care about that. You know, the only thing he wants to find in that resume is written in verse number 7. Because no one has hired us. Oh, interesting. Job interview. Oh, you want to have this job? Yes, sir, I want to have this job. 
Oh, that's interesting. Let me see your resume. Just this phrase in the resume. Nobody wants to hire me. Do you think you should hire that guy? That's the worst example of hiring. Like in, in the road. Besides the road, you have these two kind of individuals. The Arnold Schwarzenegger type. Big. Muscles. Young. Good tools. And then you have the Woody Allen type. Short, old, no experience, no muscles. Tell me, which one would you pick? The other one. Here is the first thing about the grace of God. The grace of God always is surprising. It's not human. It's not based in human handlings. It's not human style. It's surprising. Because God, because God is not interested in what you give. He's, he's interested in what you need. That's the grace of God. Second, don't you think that this is the worst example of managing? This landowner do nothing but hiring the nobodies. Because in the deep up our hearts, we feel nobodies. We feel that we don't don't have what it takes. We're not worthy. That's why we're always trying to get more possessions, more beauty, more technology, more fun, more things, because we don't we don't think we are worthy. We feel we are nobodies. And this guy, crazy as it could be, he is willing to spend all his time, six o'clock in the morning, nine, twelve, three, even five o'clock in the afternoon. He is willing to spend all his time because he is not interested in what you offer, in what you give. He's interested in what you need. Seems like this guy has all the money in the world to spend. All the money in the world to spend. Because he just wants to bring people in. The unexpected. The unexpected. In the verse number one, the word for landowner. It's a very interesting word. In Greek, that word means a father who has his own business in his house. So this landowner 
was not sending workers. He was bringing workers to his home. Sometimes they even slept in that house for several days to be part of his family. He was bringing people in. And he was willing to spend whatever was needed in, t- in terms of time or money just to have them coming and coming. I told you, the grace of God is surprising. Or secondly, the grace of God is sufficient. He has Everything is needed. According to Psalms chapter 2, it says, I will, I will give nations for you. Sometimes people think that sending a missionary overseas is too expensive. And sometimes it's true. Sending a missionary to some Muslim countries, or Japan, or China, or whatever. It's very expensive. Some missionaries have spent their lives seeing just one person, two people coming to Christ. But this landowner, who represents God, he's not worried about that. It's kind of his way to show love to people. When we started ministry 25 years ago, 21 people from my wife's family became believers, got baptized, became leaders of the church in our first year of ministry. Wasn't it wonderful? In my family side, though my parents and my siblings are believers, I have, I have tons of aunties and uncles and cousins. Just two of them in more than 30 years of witnessing. But God doesn't see the thing as a waste of time. He sees the things as a way to show love. This is how much he loves you. That he's waiting for you years and years and years and years. Waiting for you to come to the kingdom. To abandon that vice that you have. To obey his voice. To come to his kingdom. Because his grace is not just surprising. His grace is also sufficient. Then... The third thing. Don't you think that this is the worst example of leadership? I was taught that one definition of leadership is to anticipate problems and solve them ahead of time. Kind of good definition. What do you think? There are many definitions of leadership. But I like that one. Anticipating problems and solving them or avoiding them ahead of time. Nice definition of leadership. But if you look with me, verse number 8. Call the workers and pay them the wages beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. 
This guy is not solving problems. He is creating problems. Why is so? Don't you think? God loves when you start complaining about his grace. Because when you start complaining about his grace, somehow it's because you are starting to understand it. If I was the owner of that of that farm, I will pay the first first and then they will go home as happy as they could be. But this landowner wanted all of his workers, all of us to see what he is doing with his grace. He wants you to see that. Because in that way, you don't have just the benefit of being part of the kingdom. You will have the benefit of understanding God's heart. You will know God. You don't just get into the kingdom, but you will meet the king. And this king, this king has a special interest in you to listen these words, these words that he repeated in verse 14 and 15. Come with me. Verse 14 and 15. Take your pay and go. I want. And that expression is repeated in verse 15. Don't I have the right to do what I want? And this is the thing, the third thing about the grace of God. The grace of God is not only surprising and sufficient. The grace of God is sovereign. He does what he wants. No explanation needed. No merit. You don't have to deserve it. You don't have to do promises. Because he is not interested in what you give, in what you offer, in what you promise. He's just interested in what you need. And he happens to want. He just wants you to be part of his kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? Then I told you, parables are always addressing some human problem. And I guess we got the problem right there. Grumbling. Evil eye. Envy. And then parables have some strategy to help you to wrestle in your soul vertically with that thing of the grace of God. But also parables are like mirrors 
for you to find yourself in that story. Who are you in that story? Are you an early morning worker, six o'clock in the morning? I grew up in a Christian home. Wonderful privilege. Because Canadian missionaries came and met my family. When I was attending all my school years, I was the only one in the school who was a believer. The only one. And I got the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. So for many years, I thought, as Peter did, that I was one of those who started in the kingdom of God early in the morning. So I was asking that question. God, I have led many things. I didn't drink. I didn't use drugs. I didn't womanize. I didn't do lots of things because of you, poor of me. I have suffered so much for the gospel. So what there will be for me then? As you move in your Christian life, at the beginning you think you are an early morning worker. Then after some years, knowing a little bit of your heart, you know, those thoughts and desires that we have, say, okay, no, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be so prideful. Let's say I'm 9 o'clock in the morning. I kind of, a little, little humility there is okay. And then you move a little bit further in your Christian walk with Jesus. And reading the scripture as a mirror, you start finding yourself and say, no, I'm not nine o'clock. Actually, I'm kind of a noon guy. And then you move a little bit further in your Christian life and you say, no, I'm, no, you know, I'm kind of three o'clock in the afternoon guy. I still have my issues. And then you move further and you find yourself to be Five o'clock in the afternoon, guy. Because if Jesus went to the cross for you, he didn't crucify just his hand for you. He crucified himself fully for you. So you were not that good. (laughs) You were... You are heading to condemnation as the rest of us. So I find myself to be that five o'clock in the afternoon type of guy. But you know what? I don't want to be that guy. Imagine. These guys who were hired five o'clock in the afternoon. Remember, five o'clock. They went to the finca, the farm. They went to the farm. Receive the tools, some instruction, and then the the uniform. And went to the field to work. As soon as they kick first time the the soil, ring, time over, go back to the office. They went back to the office and received a full payment for the day. That was nice. 
That was nice. But how about being the same day over and over and over again? Imagine these guys coming out of the office, full payment, and their friends asking, I, I see you, you didn't sweat. Huh? Your uniform is pretty clean. Show me your hands. Didn't you do anything? All right. I do nothing. I just happen to receive it for grace. You know, I feel myself, but I rather prefer to be the guy who was since the morning working and receiving that kind of excitement, pride, of feeling I did it myself. I, I had what it takes. God must be proud of me. And I'm proud of me too. I work hard and I got my wages. You know, somehow we don't like grace. But this is how is the, the kingdom of God. It's for those like you and me coming five o'clock in the afternoon. I came this morning to the church lost and late. I was lost. GPS, map, going around, going around. I passed by the church and I was going around. We were lost and we were late. Because I changed my clock yesterday, and it was in my cell phone, and it has a SIM card from Canada, so the companies changed it too. So I was two hours back. <laughs> and we were praying with this lovely family, Kevin and Leah, in, in that basement. We were praying, just, just yeah, making room time, some more time waiting, and then Pastor called, where are the preacher? Where is the preacher? Where is the preacher? So we ran, and we were so, you know, we were feeling so bad. We were lost and late. And, and to be honest, that has been happening any time we come to Canada. Because we don't do this in Colombia. <laughs> so, feeling yourself being lost and late. It's not that the feeling most of us have. I don't have what it takes. I'm lost in this world with the desires of my heart that are so sinful. I'm late to life. Time is running and I cannot catch up. But then Pastor Barry greeted me at the door, gave me a hug, and he said, it's all right. Let's pray. And I said to him, you know, that must be the response of the church of God always. For those who come and feel lost and late. And it would be wonderful to read this parable to them saying, It's alright, because this kingdom is for those who feel lost and late. Parables are for you to find yourself lost and late. But parables are also to find Jesus. I'm a preacher. I teach 
seminary students in Colombia how to preach. And I always ask them, in any scripture, any scripture from the word of God, give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. If you are not giving Jesus to me out of that scripture, you are giving me religion. You are giving me good behavior. And that's not the gospel. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. So I wonder, where is Jesus in this parable? Of course, Jesus is telling the story. But where is Jesus in that kind of story? In that, in that kind of God's dealings, in that kind of expression of the grace of God, come to the conclusion that Jesus is the only worker who came early in the morning. Who is the only one? He is the only one who can stand in front before the throne of the Almighty and said, like he said, in John chapter 17, Jesus said, I have done everything you commanded to me. I have accomplished all that you have commanded. The only pure and perfect human being that has ever put his feet on earth, Jesus Christ. Interestingly enough, if he is the six o'clock in the morning worker, he is not complaining. He is not complaining that all of us that came late, late and lost are receiving a full payment. He is not complaining that we were made equal to him as co-heirs of the kingdom. He's not complaining. As a matter of fact, he's enjoying. He enjoys. Jesus enjoys. When you receive a full pardon, forgiveness, peace, power to change, new plan for your life. He's so happy when he sees us receiving the productivity of his work. On earth, he's so happy. That's why he shared this parable. This is our Jesus. For those of you who are here today and feel like coming five o'clock, lost and late, I want to tell you, Jesus is so happy that you are receiving the product of his work. And he's enjoying. That we that are last. Are first. <laughs>